Um, because I believe he actually, we've got him. He's decided he's going to roll in and he's actually going to talk to a strut. So, as you mentioned at the start of the show, so Western Bulldogs legend, obviously, SN Drive host, Bob Murphy. Welcome to the Gippsland Footy Show. G'day, lads. How are you? Sorry to uh, keep you waiting. Always <laughs> live by the treat them mean, keep them keen philosophy. <laughs> are you, have you just been sitting down in front of the TV listening to Dan, have you? Yeah, well, of course, just listening to the old cheerio news, more good news for us. And uh, I was actually out just walking the dog with my uh, with my daughter, so sorry uh, sorry for the delay, but uh, back in town, ready for you blokes. Uh, it's a lovely day to walk the dog, I'm sure. Yeah, so. it's perfect. It's a gorgeous day. Gorgeous day. Not, not, not good enough to wash away last night's result for the doggies, but to start. No, no, it wasn't great last night, so... What do you reckon on that, Bob? We were actually just talking about that before you got on. Um, I'm a doggies man myself, so what do you think needs to change? Obviously, it looks like we'll probably play in an elimination rather than a qualifying if Brisbane do what yeah, they should do. Jeez, it's, um, it's been a it's been a bumpy three weeks. Hard to believe. Or just um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we we're on top of the ladder and facing you know a couple of pretty vulnerable sides in the Bombers and the Hawks, and all of a sudden. In a precarious position, so the boys have just lost their mojo a bit. Not to say they can't get it back, but um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, Luke Beveridge does sort of swing the changes. He does kind of use selection kind of differently to to every other coach in the league. So you know, I, I wouldn't rule out some some changes coming into uh, next week's final series for sure. I heard you guys talking about the ruck situation and. I get the sense they're really, really keen on getting Steph Martin in there. So uh, we'll wait and see how they um, how they structure up next week. Yeah, fingers crossed, I think, because Timmy English looks quite good up forward. It's just about getting yeah, him up I... there and allowing him to play up there as much as possible, I reckon. Yeah, he's, he's almost a forward ruck as opposed to a ruck forward, if you know what I mean. He's, um, yeah. he's a real handful. And, you know, of course, with, with Josh Bruce... Down and out for the year. Um, I think that's a. Uh, I think that's maybe a plan that they'll that they'll look at. Yeah, absolutely. Now away from the doggies because we've got enough sad news today. <laughs> and on to you, Bob. So obviously a Gippsland local. Um, most people listening will know your AFL story. So we actually want to talk a little bit about what you did growing up. Obviously before AFL, who you played juniors for. Obviously through the power system. If you want yep. to talk. Talk to what you did a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I started out with the uh, the Colts in the juniors, Oregon Colts, and then the, the the Gulls in the 14s and 16s, and and from there it was yeah over to the Gippsland Power under the great uh, Peter Francis, and um, received my first bit of sort of tough love in footy from Peter Francis, and had to earn my spot, and was part of a really special team actually in that year, 1999, Steve Hazelman and Lee Brown. And, Joe Allen got drafted as well. Shannon O'Brien. We just we just had a really great team and made the grand final. We got touched up in the in the grand final, but it was um, one of my favourite years in footy. To be honest, it was a lot of bus rides. Um, you know, in that age bracket, seventeen, eighteen, the world's kind of opening itself up to you. And then at the end of it all, um, we drafted, and I was seventeen, still in year eleven, and life kind of goes from idling away or rolling around town in Warrigal on a bicycle to sort of a bit of a drag race speed, you know, on the V-line to Melbourne and then 
in the red, white and the blue and that's sort of been my life ever since. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of time flies as they say, but it was um, yeah, a hell of a ride. Um, Bob, you just said you um, got drafted at 17. Do you think you would have benefited for another year um, power or you, you, it's a right good time to go at 17? No, no I, I definitely reflect now and think that I, I would have been better off having another year, not just at the power, but at home and finish school and get myself settled. I mean, my 17-year-old self would um, be very unhappy with that advice. I was just so keen to keen to get out of town and you know get in the big smoke and attack AFL footy like any young kid would I suppose but with the benefit of hindsight I, I was just too young too green um, I think I'll, yeah I think uh, I think you know to finish your schooling first would um, would be ideal um, there's a you know there's a bit, a bit of a bumpy road sort of settling into a professional you know lifestyle of a, an AFL footballer at, at that age was it was a, a fair adjustment for me, let's say that. So when you got to the dogs, um, was Terry Wallace your coach then? or? Yeah, he was, yep. yep. What, what was Wallace, he like? Yeah, I've seen like... some footage of him before, just rinsing media people. and um... <laughs> He's uh, just one of them. Terry's done a bit of work with SEN, so I've done a little bit with him since those days. But even now when I hear his voice, it sends a bit of a chill down my spine. Uh, I was a pretty, uh, I was a pretty green and lethargic kind of, uh, kind of draftee, bit of a floater. Um, uh, thought I could play a bit too, so I, I, I endured a lot of, uh, a lot of tough love. He sort of broke me in, plough, and, and I thank him for it because I, I was the sort of young kid that needed, needed, you know, a bit of a kick up the backside every now and then. And but he was a, he was a brilliant tactician and coach and. And that team was, you know, a pretty fierce team with some some big names and big reputations. And uh, training was always pretty willing. But it was, um, I look back really with fond memories. It was hard. It was a, a big adjustment from, you know, playing underage footy to, to, um, you know, out on Princess Park taking on, you know, Aaron Hamill and Anthony Kudafides in your first game. And Tony Liberatore starts a fight halfway through the third quarter. It was a bit like, um, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> um, I, I messaged a mate of mine, Mark Alvey, to try and get some um, dirt on you, but unfortunately oh, he yeah. said you were, pre- you were pretty squeaky clean, so i got nothing oh, on you right? to get in. So, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just, so just send me a message if um, you got a link on Mark Alvey. Right. <laughs> no, well, uh, we've probably cross paths for a little while, Els. Um, he was a hell of a player. He's, he's sort of his skills and abilities, you know, deserved to play, you know, more more games than he than he ended up with. I know he had some a fair few injuries, but um, now that I mean, like like all good footy clubs, you know, I, I arrived there as a you know, skinny seventeen year old kid, and and uh, you know, blokes like Elves and you know, and a whole number. I could rattle off all the names. You don't want to sit here and listen to all the names, but they. Footy clubs are pretty good at you know nurturing the ones coming through, and that was a really special time in my in my life. And and then you hang around long enough, and the wheel turns, and then all of a sudden you know you're the elder statesman, kind of trying to nurture the next batch of young kids through. It's one of the one of the nice sort of um, you know lineage of the locker room, I call it. Yeah, yeah, it is, and it changes very quick. You hear older guys say that all the time, and I think it changes really quick. Um, 
Bob, who's the best player you've played with at the Dogs and who's the best you've played on? Uh, the, I, I probably the, like, I caught the tail end of Chris Grant when, when, uh, when I got to the Dogs, but he was probably just past his peak, but uh, he's certainly up there. Brad Johnson was a freak. I kicked eight goals against uh, Matty Scarlett one day, and I felt like I had front row tickets to Frank Sinatra that day. It was quite quite special. But um, Marcus Bontempelli is probably the most complete player that I've played with. And, um, yeah, he's just you know one of those once in a generation kind of players, and just you know very well balanced, great leader. Beautiful skills, but he's you know, got an appetite to defend as well. So he's, yeah, he's, there's not too many uh, not too many players that come along like Marcus. That's for sure. Yeah, it's nice and hearing I, a few of those names. The, and the, you asked the best player I played against too, didn't you? I, like, I, I played most of my footy on the half back flank, and I've I've always said that Stevie Johnson was the best half forward flanker I ever played on. He was a uh, he was a nightmare to play on. So I. I have heard you answer that question before, and although I'm a Doggies fan, Stevie J's my all-time favourite. Do you mind telling us a story? I believe you were playing on him one night. I have heard you tell this story before. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the, the abbreviated version, but thanks. Um, it was hard. It was yeah. He was uh, he was half forward. I was half back. And about halfway through the second quarter, what he sort of sidled up next to me and said, "Oh, geez, imagine how well I'd be going if I, you know, if I." didn't have this flu. And I was like, okay, you know, he's sort of telling me, you know, imagine how well, you know, if I was fully fit, I'd be really tearing you a new one. And anyway, this sort of banter went on back and forth for, for a couple of hours, really. And it got deep, but it got deep in the last quarter and uh, the game was in the balance and the ball spits out of the centre square and I, Stevie leads out and I go and make a spoil. And I think it's a pretty decent spoil, but Stevie's after it again. I go to lay a tackle on him. He handballs it over his head, looking the other way, and finds Joel Corey, kicks it to Tom Hawkins. Tom Hawkins goes back, kicks a goal. And it's sort of game over, and I'm, I sort of trudge back to my position, and I can just sense that Stevie's he's going to find me. He waddles up next to me, because he did have a bit of a waddle, Stevie, and he just whispered in my ear, I usually save that shit for finals. <laughs> Very good. Um, you were captain there for a while, Bob. Which is that probably your proudest moment being at the doggies? Like, unfortunately, you weren't there in the last day of September with what happened. Mm. But I guess you know you've got a. It's probably a dream for a lot of people to captain their own club. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it's a good call. It's, it's um, it was certainly the biggest thrill of of my time in footy and. Um, it, it always it always felt special. It wasn't something... I think I was captain for three seasons and I had close to 40 or 50 games. And uh, each time, you know, you felt the you felt the um, the privilege of it. You know, there's a weight of responsibility and all that and pressure, but it was, um, yeah, I, I think maybe as well because I, I got the captaincy quite late. I was 32 by the time I took it on. So I'd sort of been around the block a few times and knew that, you know, the end was pretty near so to lead you know that that group of boys out there pretty special group of players that one and, and playing under Luke Beveridge who you know were, were really really close right from the start so yeah that was um I take those those memories are really precious from those last few years um so obviously you've captained and all that um going into the media how have you found that you know time from 
after football and moving away from football, obviously you're in the media now, so... Uh, yeah, it's kind of a... Um, it's a bit of an adjustment. It's, a, it's certainly, you know, a different rhythm to life. And when you're... Well, how it was for me anyway, as, as a league footballer, you, you're kind of very narrow. You know, you're focusing on the Bulldogs and your own form and your own health. And it's quite a... Um, not sure if it's selfish, but it's a pretty self-absorbed kind of world you live in, and and then you know all of a sudden in the media, kind of it's 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 all about other people's stories, which was a nice relief for me. I, I just I like um, you know the narrative of good sporting teams or or athletes and and what makes them tick. So to 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 spend the afternoons with you know a pro like Andy Marr, and uh, you know, chat to all kinds of different people and athletes from all different kinds of sport, and have a bit of fun along the way. It's been a it's been a real thrill. Yeah, but it, it took a little while to adjust, I must admit. But it's um, yeah, I feel like I'm uh, finding a bit of a rhythm with it. Um, just another quick question. Um, what happened to your TV show with Bob? Because I, I thoroughly oh. enjoyed that show, and it's vanished off the face of the earth. Oh, mate, I'm glad you say that. It's um, <laughs> lest we forget that show. There's a, uh, we, we actually did start season three. We had one episode in the can, and then uh, and then COVID hit, and and then you know Fox Footy did a whole heap of cutbacks, and they uh, you know, poor old poor old Bob, the TV show was left on the cutting room floor, mate. Another one of those brutal showbiz stories, mate. So it, um, there's a there's a lost Tim Rogers episode out there somewhere, but. Um, who knows where it is, but yeah, no, I love doing the show. I actually, it's one of my favourite things to do. But um, yeah, TV shows they, they are quite um, quite costly and time consuming, and I think with COVID, Fox we just uh, they uh, put their energies elsewhere. But that's probably the nicest way to say it. They just don't need the ass pretty much. <laughs> Fair enough. Then I was just I was just interesting with the show. Like you've got a quite diverse, you know, there's different people on the show, and they're all passionate about football. Um, how do you find these people? Um, well, I've always just had sort of um, uh, an eclectic, you know, interest in things, and I think um, I think footy can be pretty um, pretty one-dimensional in lots of ways. So I always found it was really interesting to talk to people from different different um, you know worlds, whether it be arts or movies or politics, or anything, and a lot of it's. Um, a lot of the stuff around performance, um, it's really quite similar to, to sport. You know, like there was one episode I think we were talking to, uh, I was interviewing Tex Perkins and I was just asking him about, you know, the five or ten minutes before a gig in the show and how he feels. And it, it could have been a script from, you know, any league football that, that I played with. It was very similar to mine. and I just find all that sort of stuff interesting, the routines and the the psychological preparation and, and anything that's got a performance aspect to it, I kind of am eternally intrigued by that. So, yeah, I, I love the show. I kind of miss it. Sorry that Struts had to bring back up that you got the arse. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on from that, Bob. Um, now, no, this like, year... It'll be, it'll be a cult, cult favourite. It'll be like Fulton. <laughs> it'll be like 12 episodes, hard to find. Only the true believers will uh, will track it down. <laughs> I'm one of them, Bob. Now, good on you, man. <laughs> footy, Bob. Inverloch this year. Uh, I think yeah. obviously it was well documented that 
yourself and Ruffy were heading down there. I believe you've got mm. a connection with some of the coach. Was it yeah. always planned just to play a one-off game or has COVID sort of just put a halt to what no, was your plans? Yeah, no, no. It was always a one-off for me. Um, Ruffy's a bit more fortunate than me. He's only been out of the game a year, so he's still in reasonable shape. I, I'm four years and my knees are completely knackered. So it was um, just to... I really just wanted to get out there and... and and uh, play under swimmer. My, he's my brother-in-law and um, a great mate of mine. And I've sort of always long admired him as a coach and thought, oh, it'd be nice to go back and play one game. And But it was about halfway through the second quarter where I, I did feel quite middle-aged and well past it and thought, you know what, that's probably that's probably my turn to, uh, to sit it out. So one and done for me. I'm 26 and feel that, Bob, so you can't be better than Wait till you get to 39. <laughs> now, I was talking to um, Cam earlier, and he believes his most embarrassing story happened with you. Are you going to explain what happened, Cam? Oh, I... Yeah, so this is this is actually coming up to a 10-year anniversary to this moment, and it's been in, an internal embarrassment for me for 10 years. So I need oh, to find out therapy. if Bob actually remembers this. So okay. ten years, ten years ago, and we've worked out why you would have been supporting Summer. I assume is it was right. Gippsland League Grand Final day. Oh, yeah. I was playing. I was playing for Benstale in the under 16s and got KO'd in the okay. first ten minutes of the Grand Final. Oh man, tragic! My mother, knowing that I am a avid dog supporter, knowing that who who my favourite players were at the time, sees Bob walking past. She calls out to Bob, saying, "Son wants a photo with you." At this time, I am being very, very sick at the back of the car with a severe concussion, and I am vomiting. So I cannot spray my mother for doing this. And you are stood. Good on you. uh, You are stood there. It was. It's off my chest now, and it's out there. So I'm right. We can move on. What did did I have the photo? What was my reaction to it? Because I'm not. I'm not great around vomit. I've got to say, I'm sort of squeamish around. There was no having a spew. There was Tom the same, and there was no getting a photo. I was way too crook. But that was forever an embarrassing moment for me, as you awkwardly nah. standing there while I'm vomiting in front of one of my Bulldogs heroes at the time. Oh, Mum. God bless <laughs> yeah. you. The yeah. Aren't they? they can oh, be, yeah. Very good. So there you go. It's out there now, Strut. Are you happy? He hasn't it's remembered, cathartic. so that's good. It's cathartic. No, I can't remember it. It mustn't have been too gruesome. No. Perfect. That's a win for me. <laughs> oh well, and what's next for you, Bob? Obviously, you're to do with SEN, but um, what's next for mm. you? Um, well, I mean, that's kind of a full-time gig at the moment. I'd like to. I used to write a bit for the Age, and that's kind of dropped off. But I, that's a real passion. Apart from that, I'm kind of happy what I'm doing and keeping three kids uh, busy and entertained at home at the moment. That's uh, that's kind of enough. So, a few kids bit of chat on the radio with my great mate Andy Maher and, and maybe write a few columns for the age in the next little while. Beautiful. Thank you very much for your time, Bob. We really appreciate it.